0: Welcome Cat Fam and Friends of the Purple and White to our debut edition of Forward Capital Crusaders. We're excited that you've chosen to check in on the Crusaders and hope you continue to do so as we go through what is an uncharacteristically quiet spring. In today's episode we'll be doing our first program check-in with head track and field coach Hannah Weiss. We'll then be connected with Tyler Schleich, class of 2004, to talk about his continued support of the Cat Fam and a new role with the university. A year ago this summer, two members of the Cap Men's Lacks team made history. If you don't remember this story, we'll chat with Connor Ryan and Spencer Town to reflect on that moment. And then we'll wrap up the show with our first senior spotlight. That is outfielder Hannah Martin of Cap Softball. Keep it locked here on the Forward Capital Crusaders podcast. <laughs> And as we roll along in our first ever edition of Forward Capital Crusaders, we bring on the first coach that we'd like to spotlight and check in on her program. We are here with the head coach of the Capital University Cross Country and Track and Field Programs, Hannah Weiss. And and coach, first and foremost, thanks for being the first coach to join us on the new podcast. It's certainly not the end of the season that you'd have imagined. But you find yourself in a really unique situation in that you didn't get to start the outdoor season, but you did, for the most part, get to complete the indoor track schedule. So describe the range of emotions among your athletes, since some of them fall on both sides of the fence or just in general, knowing that the job didn't quite get done.
1: Um, you know, it's it's a very it's a surreal feeling still. Um, the. You know, the timeline of like, you know, when we found out about uh, the season ending as well as nationals not happening, um, it was, it all kind of happened at once. And it's crazy because like you look outside and like today I was just talking to one of my coaching friends and like, oh, this would be a great day to have a workout. It's beautiful. And you look outside, everything looks great. Everything looks super normal. And, but then you don't get to have that moment with your kids. And so, um, I know that having that that last team meeting we got to have uh, with as many of the kids as we possibly could have, it was it was very heartbreaking. I mean, I think the the first question a lot of them had because you know a lot of for many of our kids they really utilize your indoor season to have the best outdoor season that you can have um, rather than the other way around, and um, a lot of them were like we, we put, we really put ourselves through, through all that work, all that dedication, all that sacrifice. And then it just kind of gets swept away from you. So I think the, you know, you go through like your stages of grief for yourself, for your kids and for your season. And, um, you know, now it's really, we're all just kind of looking ahead. Okay. Now we, we kind of had a unique opportunity, especially for our track specific athletes, especially if we had so many first years on our team, like okay we got to see all your weaknesses this is great and now we can hit the pause button instead of uh, really kind trying, trying to piece you together as you go because it is a really long season for that first uh for that first year in track and field and so we're like okay well these are the areas that we really need to work on let's you know hit the reset button and here's how we can focus on this and you have more time than you've ever had in your entire career to be able to focus on those little things. And so taking away the silver lining of it is, is, I think is a really important thing. You know, obviously I was looking at the outdoor top 10 list and was excited to see this go, this go, this go, this get added, Um, and that doesn't quite get to happen, but it does kind of, it gives you a chance to really look back and um, see where the potential is for the future. when i feel terrible for our seniors and you know whether or not they come back or whether it personally works out for them um how it will end up working out financially and all that other things you know that's a lot of stuff in the air but it in my opinion it presents a lot of opportunities as well as you know the sad takeaway parts of it as well too
0: well we hit the pause button on the seeds and let's hit the rewind button for just a second and you had mentioned it, that Nationals, uh, across all sports, gets canceled. And, and the one that impacts you the most is junior thrower Josh Miller. He was down there. Y'all were ready to compete. Um, and it was looking really, really promising for Josh. And then you you get asked to return home. So can you take us through that range of emotions, being that you were, you were right there? And <laughs> just, you know, what, what did you think that Josh's shot was at, at making a really big mark here at the Nationals?
1: Um, uh, there is no doubt in my mind that he was going to be an All-American. Um, now, which spot went through eight? I have no idea. I think, I'm sure Josh would love to give you his opinions on that. Um, but it was, he was going to do well. Everything, his trajectory throughout his entire season looked really, really good. He was literally undefeated against anyone in Division three um, throughout his entire season. And we... When we found out um, that the outdoor season was canceled um, for the OAC, we were actually on our way back from our last uh, our second to last practice at nationals in in North Carolina. And a couple hours later, we get the the email from the the committee and everything like that. and and that that's heartbreaking. Um, you can't and especially at that time we didn't know okay what is this going to mean and you know what what does this do for your eligibility how do you like do you there's no way you can replicate this experience and obviously there's a little bit of anger there just because we were physically there um everybody had been practicing together for a couple days and I don't want to take away from the the gravity of of the situation going on or anything like that but especially at, at that moment it was a really, really tough pill to swallow, to to put it lightly. Um, Josh was pretty devastated. He had worked so incredibly hard this past season. And I know having talked to him a couple times, you know, since, uh, since we've all gone on break and everything like that, he's so fired up and ready to get going for next year. If there's ever a chip you could place on his shoulder, and I'm sure many of the other athletes across the nation... He has it now, so I think that's really good for him moving forward as an individual athlete, in particular.
0: No doubt about it, and I promise that's the last sad question I'm going to ask. Everything <laughs> you can out is all going to be so uh, oh, this good. is head coach, head coach of the track and field and cross country programs hannah weiss and coach again you talked about some of the good things that happened um josh was obviously a highlight breaking records and making it to nationals but can you talk about some of the other things and uh, people that might have impressed you over the course of the year
1: oh my gosh yes um so it was it was great like if we i don't know often top of my head how many records we we broke this year but Uh, To give a couple shout-outs, I mean, Emily Hilt, she rebroke pretty much all of her records. She broke her 55 hurdle record. That one was a new one this year. She rebroke her own 60 hurdle record, her pentathlon record. Um, And she was was just on the outside looking in at nationals and – Cassie Lee, who's a, another senior. Both of these ladies are nursing majors as well, too, which is phenomenal how good they, they have been. And not good just because they're talented, but good because they worked really hard and put a lot of effort and time into it. Um, but Cassie broke our weight throw record, um, which was kind of a shadow over her from all of last year, since she was only four centimeters off of it. Um, last indoor season so I was really proud of her that she got that and she was ranked in the top I think she was right around 30th or so um, in the nation in shot put, and she literally improved by about two meters from her average from last year so actually it's probably more than that to be honest but I would say those are some of the two main highlights as well as Kelly Wilson he's a first year he broke our school record in the 60 hurdles Um, He was looking great. I was really excited to see what he was going to do for uh, outdoor season. And uh, we had a couple near uh, school records in the men's 5K with freshman um, Alex Hansel. Um, He was up there in the men's 3K. We actually, I think we have, we had I think, four or five additions to our men's 5K top 10 list. Um, another young lady Ava Bernhardt she was in the uh, in the top 10 list for both the 3k and the 5k um, and huge improvements from where she was in high school so there was so much so many positives I feel bad because I know I'm leaving out a number of deserving kids Um, but they were all going to improve so much come outdoor season like there's I was selfish. I'm I'm a numbers and spreadsheet type of person, but I was trying to calculate how many additions to our top 10 list and how many school records we could get. Um, So I guess we just kind of save that for next year.
0: No doubt about it. For any and all of those records that you want to see updated, visit our website, athletics.capital.edu. And so now that everybody's in this really weird period where you want to be active, but we are encouraged to kind of limit that social distance, how do you keep the athletes motivated? I mean, they're also remote learning. They're back at home. So what's the secret to keep them active?
1: Um, So one thing that's really great about our sport is, it helps to have a team. It helps to have, um, you know, that physically that person there pushing you, running right next to you, or uh, lifting right next to you, or something along those lines. But you don't have to have that. Those are nice things. Those are extras um, in a lot of ways. So we're really lucky. You don't necessarily need equipment to be a great track and field athlete, um, outside of the the technical event work, um, but for all of our distance runners that are looking towards their cross country season. Now, all you need is a pair of tennis shoes. So, um, and honestly the willpower to do it. So we, one thing we've talked about with a lot of our athletes, um, both as a, as a team, as well as individually one-on-one is you have to control what you can control. There is so much outside of your day. You're being told you can't go to certain places or that you shouldn't or you, um, you know, you don't have access to this facility, you know, you can't control that. You have to let that part go. And what you can control is, are you going to get yourself out the door on a treadmill or doing a circuit um, in your living room? Are you going to do those things that aren't necessarily hard to do, but they're hard to get started? And, a lot of our kids have had, you know, frustrations because it's a big adjustment. A lot of freedom has been taken away. And we tell them, you know, running is not the end all be all of who you are as a person or your, your well-being, but it is one of the few things that you get to be the author in your story. So pick what you can pick and decide what opportunities you're going to take away from this. And that's really
0: just a personal decision that they each and every one of them have to make. Certainly, good advice, and that comes from Head Coach Hannah Weiss of the Capital Cross Country and Track and Field programs. And so, Coach, we're going to hit you with a couple quick hitters for you as a as a person and as a coach. Um, so, what are you getting to do with all of this extra time? I know we're still working. Let's yeah, not- <laughs> you get a little extra time. What What are you doing to fill that void?
1: Um, so, I'm actually, I'm one of those people. I really struggle with having free time. I need structure. I like when I go to the office, that's where I'm working. And when I go home, I'm not working. I, I try to maintain that really well. And obviously that's, that no longer exists. So I'm a, I'm a big to-do list person. So I write down everything that I want to accomplish for the next couple of days. So some of it involves work oriented stuff, but some of it, is, it seems really silly, but it's like the basic human things that you should do anyways. You shouldn't need to write it down on a list. Like breakfast, lunch, and dinner, um, taking my vitamins, showering. Uh, so, you know, just making sure that you're holding yourself accountable because I'm, I'm a big believer if I'm going to tell the kids to go do something, I don't want to be hypocrite and not do it myself. So um, I, I'm a, I've ran every day since this has started. Um, and that's actually a lot more than what I've personally been doing and I've been making sure that I have to do everything on my to-do list before I get to do anything that I I want to do, and part of those other things on that to-do list are making the point to talk to people. Um, I personally I live alone, um, so and my family is in another state, so I have to go out of my way to make sure I have those uh, kind of social connections and stuff like that without being physically present, so doing things like I've I've done a couple of Netflix parties with friends of mine um, having, you know, making sure that I'm staying connected to people on social media and, you know, just trying to make sure that you're doing everything that you would want your, your student athletes and friends and family to do.
0: And you mentioned it before we started talking. You know, you didn't realize what was all out there with technology, or just you know how deep technology goes. What's one thing that you you picked up along the way that makes you feel a little bit more, you know, twenty first century ready?
1: Um, so I have actually um, on Facebook there we all a bunch of Division one, two, three, and AI high school coaches. We all kind of got together and made a group, and um, we've had Zoom conferences. Uh, pretty daily, and they have lasted anywhere from an hour to two hours, and I didn't even know that existed (laughs) until recently, um, let alone how to use it, and so, I mean, that was really neat, and, you know, talking to other professionals around the nation about kind of how they're um, helping their student-athletes, and how to stay connected and just also like even things just like how are we balancing ourselves how are we making sure that we're still doing a good job it you know I had no idea that that sort of thing existed I've been playing I redownloaded a few other games to to play with other people like that I forgot about like words with friends stuff
0: like that so
1: just a bunch of little silly things
0: well, those Facebook group commercials that are airing on TV must certainly be working if they've got you as well. Yeah. So, uh, last question. This is now just more out of my personal curiosity. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I know personally that the name Lindsay, there is a civil war on how you spell it, quote, correctly. Is there something similar with people named Hannah, especially when you talk about whether it's with or without an H?
1: <laughs> um well, I think everyone just knows that there's supposed to be an H at the end. So I think that's just all how it goes. Um, so that
0: is... That is the correct way. Yeah. <laughs> just, correct. There's no argument there. No, <laughs> well, hey, at least we put that. We have actually one more uh, guest on the show today named Hannah, so we'll get her opinion on that. <laughs> See if we've got a civil war brewing here just within that one question. But, Coach, thanks for joining us here on the debut edition of Forward Capital Crusaders, and we wish you the best as we navigate these uncertain times. Please stay safe, and uh, we'll be talking with you here in the uh, summer about cross country season absolutely and thank you so much all right that is head coach hannah weiss of the capitol university cross country and track and field teams welcome Capital fans it is now time for our first alumni spotlight and we couldn't think of anybody better to bring on the program than mr tyler schleich class of 2004 and he is Cap through and through when we say bleed purple i don't know that anybody else would literally bleed purple if we cut you open than tyler schleich so tyler thanks for joining us and, and let's start with the basics man tell us uh your hometown and and where you are right now
2: yeah absolutely appreciate you having me on and uh You know, I know there's a lot of folks out there that bleed purple like I do, so happy to kickstart things for you here. So uh, hometown, so the local post office was Williamsport, Ohio, which is a village of about uh, 800 people back in the day. It's probably up to a thousand now. It's a fast-growing community. Just kidding. Um, So we fed into like five or six other villages. We fed into a, a A local school system called Westfall Local School System, um, which is just south of Grove City. It's basically the western half of Pickaway County. So those are the origins. Grew up on a small farm, moved to Columbus sixteen or moved to Columbus at the end of high school. Um, Obviously, spent my years at Capitol there in Bexley. Bought a house nearby. Stuck around for a while. Four years ago, moved Indianapolis, which is where I'm currently am, um, and in process of moving back to Columbus. Looking forward to getting back to the Buckeye State. the capital city there, so to speak. Um, unfortunately, we put our house in the market uh, here in Indianapolis March 13th, Friday the 13th, and the world's pretty much shut down three days later, so kind of in limbo right now.
0: <laughs> you should have saw that coming, considering timing, though. Yeah,
2: exactly. I know. It was uh, part of a corporate reload. We're moving back uh, with my wife's job. It's actually what brought us here to Indianapolis, but nonetheless, we are healthy, happy, and uh, looking forward to to moving back.
0: All right. Well, hey, you mentioned her. Give her a shout out. What's her name? Is she a what, what do they call them? A cat? Not a cat sling, but a what? What's the term when you know you, you marry your college sweetheart? Is she one of those?
2: Um, she is not, and I don't know what that term is. I know with Miami they've got the Miami merger and all that stuff. I don't really know what it's called a Capital, um, but uh, no, my wife Laura, I met her. She was actually went to Ohio State. She was a few years younger. I actually met her as she was finishing school, and I was already into my career and. We've uh, been married for almost five years now, after five years of dating prior to that.
0: Fantastic, well, we can't wait to have you back in Columbus whenever that may be. And it seems like once you got the bug, it, it certainly has stuck around. So what led you to Capitol in Columbus in the first place?
2: Yeah, you know, so obviously Columbus is a, is a great city. It's, it's changed a lot in the last 20 years. It's actually about 20 years, almost to the week that I took my first recruiting visit to Capitol. Was actually for St. Patrick's Day, so you could read between the lines there of uh, how much fun I had, and hosted by two of my former teammates, Tony Ruberg and Vince Walters, and uh, real really, you know, had a lot of a lot of interest from Division three and Division two schools in the recruiting process. I knew I wanted to go into business after graduation, and. And to be honest with you, meeting with a lot of the coaches, there's a lot of great coaches, a lot of great programs and universities, you know, around Ohio and and elsewhere. But at the end of the day, it came down to the personal connections I made with some of the teammates, as well as Coach Damon Goodwin. Um, And it it really felt like he was the one that was shooting me the straightest. He was, uh, you know, you know, Damon, well, he's brutally honest, sometimes to a fault. And, and he told me what I needed to work on. And he didn't guarantee me anything. And I honestly really gravitated towards that and appreciated it, and just felt like he wasn't uh, promising and and, uh, telling me what I wanted to hear, which is really important in the recruiting process. No doubt
0: about it, and in life as well. And so, you know, kind of take us through that process, Tyler, that, you know, you um, can you take us down the path that after you graduated with your undergrad degree, you know, you didn't get. You didn't get fed up with it. You kept on wanting to learn, and you weren't done with capital either. So, what uh, what happened afterwards?
2: Yeah, I can, I can, I, let me. I say, let me start December of my senior year. Unfortunately, I had a another ACL injury and ended my season early, um, which is unfortunate. But as part of that, I actually applied for a redshirt year, and we petitioned the NCAA and basically got a letter back from from the NCAA saying hey, thanks for being a great uh, model student athlete and good luck in your your next journey. So that was a little deflating, but um, I'd already planned to attend Capital for a full-time MBA program in my fifth year because I needed to get a couple extra credit hours um, to sit for the CPA exam. So in Ohio and, and other states, they require 150 credit hours where graduations are typically somewhere around 120 to 130. I think I graduated with almost 140 credit hours. So didn't want to just take some online classes somewhere. I wanted to get my MBA. And again, knew that I wanted to do finance, do accounting, do business. So went ahead and got my MBA from Capital in that fifth year of schooling. And then, uh, you know, just started started out in the kind of the bottom rung at a great public accounting firm, Winston Young. And 15 years later, I've, I'm still with the company and I've been kind of all over the U.S. and all over the globe with some different roles I've had, and it's just been a great learning experience. You know, if you think about learning, um, you know a lot of people just think about you know classes and formal education. When really life experiences and traveling and seeing different cultures, different perspectives, you know that's the best learning that I could uh, could ever have. Especially coming from a, a village of 800 people, and at one point I actually lived in Sao Paulo, Brazil, for a few months, which is you know one of the top cities in the world, at least in terms of population. Uh, this is Tyler like class
0: of 2004, and our first alumni spotlight. And uh, Tyler, let's hit the rewind button and uh, go back to your playing days. So you were a men's basketball player here at Capitol, played under Damon Goodwin in the early 2000s, and those were some pretty good times for the program. So can you first tell us what position you played, the style that you played, and then we'll get into some of the... Uh, more interesting stories, so to say.
2: Yeah, yeah, You know, in terms of position, I was uh, in the program. I was listed as a forward, and I would say, depending on the lineup, played anywhere from you know, if you think numerically, one through five. Um, occasionally, talked Damon into letting me play the three spot, uh, but most often played the four or the five. Um, you know, down low in the post, and we had a pretty physical system at the time where we rotated in bigs and uh, you know tried to wear down the opposing opposing teams. And, you know, in terms of, of style, um, you know, you, you can say that, you know, our teams were really grinded out. We've spent a lot of time in the weight room. We had a lot of talent on the roster. And we were all just trying to make sure that we played a specific role for the team and, and uh, put us in the best position to be very successful.
0: And you're still balling like that now, right? You know, grinding it out, (laughs) being physical and all that?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I actually haven't played in about 10 years. After the uh, fifth knee surgery, I decided to shut it down altogether and just watch all the young folks, uh, you know, run up and down the floor. But, yeah, you know, you mentioned we had some great teams in the early 2000s, and we we did. It It was really part of the, I'd say, the renaissance of capital basketball. There was a lot of great teams in the, the seventies and eighties, and I think there was a team that had a final four run, um, in there, maybe it was just the elite eight or sweet 16, but, you know, they, they really struggled towards the end of the nineties. And we were just fortunate that somehow this collection of, of, of teammates all came together and Damon did a great job of, of, uh, you know, putting us together and, and running the plays that, that suited our strengths. And, you know, we, we I think we won 16 in a row my sophomore year. After going 16 and 10, I think we went 23 and 5. And then the junior year, we turned around and went 22 and 6, something like that. But uh, unfortunately, we didn't uh, make the NCAA tournament because back then they had very few at-large spots. I think they might have even re- referenced it as the capital rule back in like 2006 <laughs> or 7 when they decided to expand the Division III uh, NCAA tournament. Well,
0: I know that that might be not one of your fondest memories of being left out of that, but you had to have accumulated a lot of really great memories that you still have to this day and will for many more. Can you share with us one of those memories from your playing days or just as a student at Cap?
2: You know, you look back at the at the memories, and certainly you've got you've got uh, you know game film on tape, right? But when, at the end of the day, you go back and think about you know what really mattered and and what were the really unique experiences. It, it it didn't actually happen on the basketball court. It was in the vans driving to away games. It was in the hotel rooms. It was before practice in the athletic training room, you know, just joking around, getting to know people as, you know, your brothers. And, uh, you know, th- those are the memories. I wouldn't say um, nothing I could I really share at this point, but, you know, we had some great memories. And a lot of the things that when we get together as, as uh, teammates – you know, 20 years later, the things that we joke about are some of the, uh, the compliments that we were paid through our playing days by our coaching staff, which um, needless to say, were uh, always comical looking back, some of those motivational <laughs> tactics
0: no doubt about it this is tyler Schleich, class of 2004 in our first alumni spotlight here on forward capital crusaders and tyler i mean you're you're not an old guy you're you're still a really young guy you're in your uh, mid to late 30s and and yet you've garnered a position with capital just recently as the newest member of the board of trustees so first of all congratulations and and how does one earn that opportunity
2: Yeah, you know, I I wish I knew exactly how one earned that opportunity. Uh, You know, I did just turn 38. So now I'm technically just in my upper 30s. So that's, uh, again, like I said, it was 20 years ago, almost to the week that I first stepped foot on campus as a recruit. But, you know, the, the Board of Trustees, if you take a step back and say, you know, what does the board do? You know, the board is really looked at to govern the institution with regards to its Policies and financial health and welfare and work with both the president and her cabinet um, her or his cabinet depending on the president but shout out to President Beth Paul um, but you know we really work with work with the administration to make sure that you know they have what they need and and we bring a perspective from our own experiences, whether it be in the business world or we've got uh, just a really great group of experiences across the board members right now at Capital. So I, I don't really know how you get on there. I just know that if you uh, bring a, a good lens to the the table and you get active and you want to be involved in Capital and like you mentioned earlier, bleed it through and through. And you know, I've had a variety of roles, whether it be the President Alumni Advisory Board, uh, the you know participating in. The presidential search committees, you know, things like that really show an interest in the university and, and certainly have a, uh, a talent that they uh, they want to add to the board.
0: And also a, a very um, high ranking member in Alumni of Arts DC as well. Let's not forget about that. So anybody that's interested in joining Varsity C, you can also contact Tyler and uh, Tyler is certainly working for us. They see something in you, Tyler, that makes it uh <laughs> makes it known that you're going to help us propel forward. And so given that you're, you know, an exemplary example of um, a a true student athlete, a, a guy that bleeds through and through with purple and a great professional, you know, if you were to look back and give a piece of advice to a capital student or even somebody considering capital, what would that advice be?
2: Really? It's, it's really just try to figure out, you know, what you want later in life and it doesn't have to be, a perfect 10-year, 20-year plan, you know, put put a rough draft together and figure out, you know, generally where you think you want to be. And then what you do is you get feedback from people, right? If you're thinking about coming to Capital and majoring in something, you know, reach out to one of the professors and get a little bit more knowledge around what that degree in that field might look like. Ask them to connect you to one or two people that are actually in the business or the Um, the nursing world or the education world to talk a little bit more in depth. The biggest key is just being flexible and trying to learn as much as you can because you can put together the most perfect plan on a piece of paper. And as we all know that you got to be flexible to change it because the world changes rapidly and we do too. So be flexible, be humble, be willing to learn and don't be scared to ask for help when you need it sounds
0: great especially in the times that we're in right now talk about flexibility and you know trying to roll with the punches that's for uh, that's a great piece of advice so tyler um you know like you said you are you know 38 there's still lots left to accomplish and a lot ahead a, a lot ahead of you yet so what is next for you uh personally or professionally that you want to accomplish in your coming years
2: yeah, so in the next few years, you know, obviously we're trying to get back to Columbus right now, move back and get more ingrained back into the community. You know, hopefully, you know, we'll start a family at some point. We don't have kids yet, and that'll be a whole new chapter of, uh, you know, sleepless nights and stress and all that good <laughs> stuff that I hear from everyone that has children and my teammates and and just seeing them in a different light um, has been truly, you know, truly a blessing to be able to see some of these guys that I've played with now become fathers and husbands and, and the such. But, you know, what's next for me is, you know, just keep learning, keep asking questions, keep, keep uh, striving for greatness, so to speak. It's kind of a cliche, but, you know, you've got to continue to continue to get better every day. Not too uh, dissimilar from the approach we took back in 20 years ago when we were athletes on campus.
0: No, no doubt about it. And it's certainly gotten you to a really good spot right now, Tyler. And so we wish you and, and your wife and all of the Cat fam out there uh, the best and uh, stay safe out there. Thanks for joining us. And we can't wait to see you back here in Columbus and get an update on you sometime in the near future.
2: Awesome. Appreciate it, Ryan. And I no doubt that there are great things ahead for both Capitals University and Capitals an Athletic Department and our sports teams and looking forward to being a part of it.
0: All right. Well, thank you, Tyler. That's Tyler Schleich, class of 2004, men's basketball player, highly successful professional member of the Board of Trustees. The list goes on and on, but we thank Tyler for joining us today on our Alumni Capital Spotlight on this edition of Forward Capital Crusaders. It's halftime in this edition of Forward Capital Crusaders. Now's your chance to hit pause and head to the locker room if you need a break. Be sure to stick around for second half action on the Forward Capital Crusaders podcast. We're ready to start the second half of Forward Capital Crusaders, the inaugural edition. And so we have our first feature piece. And if you were following along with us online last summer on athletics.capital.edu, you would have seen that two of our men's lacrosse players were participating in a first in their respective sport. It may not be field lacrosse, but the box lacrosse league was alive and well last summer. And so we are joined with Capital Crusaders, Connor Ryan and Spencer Town, who are also on the Ohio Rivermen of the OCBLL. And they are the first ever national champions of the collegiate box lacrosse league. So, first gentlemen, welcome. Let's take care of the obvious. I mean, obviously, we're doing this remote and for good reason of what's happening around. Uh so uh just tell us how are you both doing? Where are you living and how's online learning for you uh this semester so far? Um, Connor
3: here. Uh I'd have to say that living situations not too bad. I'm kind of bunkered up in my apartment with uh my roommates, my girlfriend. So I mean it's not the worst thing in the world if the biggest thing is trying to find time to do a bunch of stuff because there's only so much time you just stare at a screen all day so <laughs> finding yourself finding stuff to keep yourself occupied has definitely been the uh, most difficult thing but online learning I think it's a uh, pretty unique and I think a lot of people are getting the grasp of it. it's just staying on top of your stuff it's just like normal school time management just got to be on top and of Spencer it.
0: where are you and how are you doing
4: I'm doing good. Um, I'm living at home, back with the parents and the two siblings. Uh, it's nice to be back home. But yeah, online learning is going good. I've taken online classes before, so it's not too much of a change, just making it all my
0: classes. And yeah,
4: just following the same schedule I had before, but besides that, all good.
0: All right. Well, Connor, obviously a senior with the Capital University men's lacrosse team, Spencer entering his sophomore season. Uh, Let's jump right into the reason why we're talking, guys. You were both a part of the OCBLL, the Ohio Collegiate Box Lacrosse League. Last year was the league's second year, um, primarily based out of Columbus, but also with teams in Cleveland. And you were both playing on the same team, that team being the Rivermen. So, Connor, why don't you start us off and just tell us a little bit about the OCBLL, being that you're now a a two-year veteran?
3: Uh, I mean, the OCBLO came into effect in uh, 2018 it's when uh, the inaugural year started, and originally we were supposed to be composed of six teams, but we truck, took it down to four. We had the Wallies, the Rivermen, the Aviators, and the Stags, and that was the first Ohio Cup championship, and it was really, really cool to kind of play against a variety of those guys. We had players from the Division One level all the way to the Division Three level, and it didn't matter where you were from, just if you were able to come together as a group and just kind of function in that
0: tight close snip high tempo um, environment then you could succeed as a team uh, and spencer this was your first year playing in the ocbll you joined the rivermen and uh, so what was it was this your first experience with box lacrosse and how do you believe it went
4: uh that was actually my fourth year playing box i've played box over at resolute where we'd play our games for the last three years in their high school league and then their elite travel team um so box for me isn't new, but the collegiate box league was completely new, uh, completely sped up compared to what I'm used to, you know, higher intensity play, more skill. So, you know, it's almost fun, like the jump from high school to college again. Um, but I enjoy it. So it's still super fun.
0: Do you guys think that this experience in the OCBLL and playing box lacrosse, does that make you better field lacrosse players?
3: I'd have to say a hundred percent. Yeah. My, like me playing close defense and field and then transitioning to playing only short stick and box. That was a huge transition for me. So I had to get better with my feet and my awareness As the tight box went around and you had to really work on seeing where the ball was going, guys cutting through people could set moving picks, which was very different from field. So Transitioning with learning that from the summer into my field play really gave me an edge and speed and the lacrosse IQ that I really felt like I needed.
4: Yeah, I agree with Connor there. I think any player uh, that plays field lacrosse can definitely benefit from playing box lacrosse. Anything from positioning on defense to you know being offense and stick skills and picks and your shooting accuracy and passing and all that, I think you can't go and play box lacrosse and not say you've become a better player.
0: Now the Rivermen pretty much rolled through the OCBLL this year. There were some pretty intense uh, battles with the walleye up there in Cleveland, but you guys won the championship for the second straight season, except this time winning the championship granted you an opportunity to compete in the first National Collegiate Box Lacrosse Championship, and that was held in California. So tell me how when you learned that this opportunity was on the table, Did it give you extra motivation or what was that feeling like when uh, you learned that that was a chance?
3: I mean, any opportunity to do that, especially for us, uh, looking at a collegiate player, like you go, you go to college to be, to play a sport that you love. Yes. But also it's a dream to compete in a collegiate championship. So for us, like having that opportunity, like I was going into my senior year, uh, my chances of that were um, becoming slimmer than Spencer's and younger guys. So, um, having that opportunity, it really kind of propelled me throughout the season when we kept winning. I'm like, this could become a real thing and this could be something that I could be a part of and be really special.
4: Yeah, and for me, you know, coming in as my first year, I was like the new guy in the team for the most part. So going through the season and bonding and then finding out we would get to go and play in this national championship, you know, just, I think it all brought us closer together as we came closer and realized that it was a, a realistic opportunity we we got.
0: And this is Connor Ryan and Spencer Town, Capitol University men's lacrosse players. We're talking about their experience as national champions at the collegiate box lacrosse level last summer. We're revisiting that time. And so let's take a step back. Uh, Spencer, can you describe what the setting was for the entire box lacrosse and maybe for lack of a better word festival that was held down there in, in California? What was all around you and, and what did you take in?
4: You know, it was very interesting because that was my first experience in California. So obviously the atmosphere and the culture out there is all different. And, um, you know, we rolled up for our first game and the arena was like an outdoor type of arena. It just had a roof over it, but, you know, like the sides were all open. And I was kind of shocked by that at first because I was like, there's no way. And then I just it clicked that like we are in California. And then we saw these teams here and there was just kids from all over, from all the age groups. And, of course, us being the top there. Everybody, when we got there, kind of, you know, made our way over to our game. So it was a very cool experience to be able to, you know, play all these years of lacrosse and finally be able to be those ones that were walking into the stadium.
0: And Connor, uh, this one's for you. I mean, you walk in, there's all these age groups represented. And if I remember right, I saw some that were as young as like seven and eight years old. Now, you guys are like the new guys to this whole festival ordeal. But at the same time, you're kind of being looked up to as the old guys that everybody aspires to be at some point in time in their career. How weird was that? I mean,
3: without a doubt, that was just something that kind of hit home to me was I remember being younger and look at those guys thinking they were like superheroes. Like they could do anything and looking back on it now, like that's every thing with, with a player is that you want to make an impact on something after you're done with the sport. And I think being that motivation or being that type of figure that they want to be better than, or, become great or as great as that, then I think that's something they should do and they should become something even greater than either me or any lacrosse player could be. Cause that's what the sport could thrive off of is just people wanting to create something better every, every day.
0: So let's get into the game time. Now, as the champions of the OCBLL, the championship was set up to, for you guys to take on the champion of the, the Colorado Box Lacrosse League, and that league has been in existence for a few years longer than the OCBLL, so they would consider themselves maybe a little bit more established. So, Connor, does that mean that you, know, you guys were kind of looked at as the underdog in this matchup, and what was that like?
3: I mean, yeah, we were de- we were definitely counted as the underdog because we're from the Midwest. People are thinking like, oh, from Ohio, the guys who won it from last year with the Fighting Bison, they had Trevor Baptiste on their team. Trevor Baptiste is an absolute face-off dog, played at Denver, and then now he's playing for the Atlas, lighting up in the PLL. So they were already pretty recognized. And I don't think we, we kind of took it like we were underdogs. We just all went in there like we were at a stacked roster. We had – Guys like Spencer, we had Nick Musi from Ohio State. We had Jack Hanna who got the number one player of the year, and all those guys just worked and clicked so well together through years of experience of just playing with Resolute and other with other teams that it was just something that we weren't uh, intimidated by. And even after the first game when we dropped it, we we all came back to the hotel and we just sat, we were all just sitting around. And we were just like, well, "This is fine." Like we we even said this. Like I think Jack Hanna said it best. He goes, "Ribs don't lose championships." And it just clicked right then and there that we were just going to come in the next day and show up and be ready to play.
0: All right. So now just to kind of give a very brief recap, um, the Colorado team you in game number one and then game number two is the very next day. Um, and you guys pretty much steamrolled them in that game, too. Um, so talk about just you know, it's a little unique in that the series has been decided after that with a, a full-time overtime period. Take us through that entire second day, like how you mentally prepared and then that energy propelled you all the way through to uh, to the end.
3: Uh, I would have to say like definitely uh, the traveling time was a big issue with us on the first day because we were up very early flying, traveling, staying up and then playing late at night. So the time difference was pretty detrimental in the first day so when we got there the next day we took time to really just rest get our bodies recovered hydrate we hung out still went enjoyed what we saw in california went to the boardwalk kept it really simple just kind of checked into ourselves a little bit so when game time was coming up we went back to the hotel got all prepped and ready we were make sure all of our sticks were tuned in ready to go and there was just like this feeling in the air they're like yeah we're we're really here to mean business and that this, this is going to be ours and we're not going to, we're not letting anyone going to take that. So the momentum was already there before we even strapped up with our pads. And once that whistle blew and the game started and we started um, throwing our bodies into it and sinking some shots, a lot of guys were just feeling it and that was just contagious. And it was just something that the, that the fighting bison couldn't
0: put out and they still fought every step of the way. So, Spencer, now you, uh, you know, being on the field, what was the energy level like going into that overtime session? You had won the second – the technical second game. Now you play an overtime session to decide it. Just talk about the energy that you took into there and how that willed you to victory.
4: I think the energy going into that overtime was really high because, you know, the first day we were definitely down after losing that first game. And like Connor said, came with that energy – steamrolled that second game and it came to that overtime and I think we were all just ready and we knew what we had to do and I think it was clearly in our advantage and we just we all knew we just had to go out there and do it again and uh, I think that's all it took.
3: Yeah and Spencer really he even showed up that game he came into the national championship game rattled off two goals for us one of them in an OT and it was it was really a big momentum shift that actually I think it put it us put, put us up by two and that's what we really needed to kind of just cap out that game and solidify us so. Having moments like that where players are forced to step up um, to perform, I think that makes you a better player in every step of the way, and that's something that you could say for the rest of your life that you were a national champion and you stepped up in the moment and made a difference.
0: All right, that's Connor Ryan, Spencer Town. Boys are national champions of the NCBS, and so how did that feel to be introduced at the top of that division?
3: Oh, I mean, come on. That That was pretty crazy. We're all standing out there on the floor. We're celebrating and then we look over and we see tom schreiber coming over with the trophy and that was insane to see because i mean it's tom schreiber if you don't know who tom schreiber was at that point then i understand if you're not lacrosse now but he's pretty freaking good so that was just incredible it was just an elated sense i couldn't describe again i wish i could get that feeling every single day if i could
4: yeah i definitely agree you know sometimes you just go up and you're speechless and i was just looking back on the floor and just thinking all the moments that we had in those last couple of games, then overtime, and it was just all worth it. And I think you know you're still in that numb period before you take off your pads and kind of ache around after a couple of games. But at that point, you know it was it was an amazing feeling.
0: So for both of you, what do you feel was the best memory out of that trip? Whether it was hoisting that trophy or otherwise.
3: Um, I I would have to say the best memory was just like. That feeling in the game, like going into o t like that that the five minutes before we broke into that overtime period, we were all just nobody was breathing heavy, like yeah, we were banged up, guys were bleeding bruises, like guys were like could probably have bruised ribs, and we, we, nobody was talking about that, we were just like, let's just get going, let's get ready to go. That was my all time favorite moment was just having every guy on that roster juiced up ready to play ten minutes at their best,
4: yeah, I think I agree with that, and just the fact that you know. We all come from different collegiate teams, and you know a couple other teams. Like our our off guy Chris DeMarco goes to one of our uh, rival schools, but you know in those moments like that, we all bond together, and and none of that matters. And I think that's probably the the one thing that lasts the longest.
3: Yeah, and our even our goaltender Matt Heisinger, he was an absolute brick wall in cage. He was the goal. He was a goalie for ONU as well, and that never hindered our trust in either of those players. There, they both showed up every day as Rivermen, and that was it. And we just had a common goal to win that o- or Ohio cup championship and then win the national championship.
0: No, you're going to have to shake that off boys. When we get back into play, whenever that may be here in the future, yeah, but uh, 100%. just, just talk about like, you know, for those that don't know box, it's, it's obviously, I guess the equivalent of indoor soccer to field soccer, where you consolidate the field, it's a lot faster, but for you guys, what does that mean to have this as an option and how did it impact your game as field lacrosse players?
3: For me, it was just another avenue to play lacrosse because, um, I mean, everybody gets, once you play college lacrosse, you get a certain amount of time you get to play. So I'm going to make the most out of the time I had and then just seeing another opportunity to play a version of a sport that I love, it seemed like a no-brainer. And as soon as I put effort into it, it really became something that I became very passionate about and is something that a lot of people can fall in love with and grow to, even as a spectator. And it's just something really incredible. I think it's going to catch fire here in Columbus.
4: Yeah, no, I, I got in the box kind of late for uh, compared to how the kids are getting to it now at the younger age, you know, seven, eight years old. And then it makes me look back and just, you know, wish I got into it earlier. Cause for me it's like a whole different sport. It's still across, but you, you gotta have a whole different mindset and goal in mind.
0: And lastly for Spencer, um you know, you, there's no direction as to whether the league will happen this summer or not just because of what's going on around us. But regardless, whether it's this summer or the following, do you expect to you know, participate in the OCBLL again? Oh, 100%. Oh good. We we would love to have you come back and maybe lead the Rivermen off to a a second national championship and a third OCBLL Ohio Cup championship as well. So once again, this is Connor Ryan and Spencer Town, men's lacrosse players at Capital University that made history last summer. And if you want to go check out that story, it's online, athletics.capital.edu. Just navigate to the men's lacrosse page and it will be right there waiting for you so you can get a little bit of a recap of how it happened in the moment. Gentlemen, Thank you both so much for joining us here on this inaugural edition of forward capital crusaders, and we wish you nothing but the best and safety moving forward.
3: Thank you very very much, Mr. Gasser It was a pleasure being on here today. Uh, Wish you the best in your endeavors. Stay healthy, stay
0: safe and uh, go cap.
4: We'll see you soon.
0: All right. Thanks guys. And we're going to be keeping on moving along here in forward capital crusaders. And welcome to our first senior spotlight in this debut edition of Forward Capital Crusaders. Joining us for this first senior spotlight she comes from the softball team here at Capital University and from Massillon, Ohio. That is Hannah Martin. So, Hannah, thanks for joining us on this debut edition. Uh, it's certainly not the way that we scripted it when <laughs> we were thinking about this, but. Um, You know, first off, how are you doing and how's the adjustment to learning online been going?
1: Oh, you know, I'm doing good. Just uh, I'm not really taking any online classes right now. I'm in student teaching. So this has affected me a lot um, because I'm not able to, you know, work with any of my students um, because I'm currently in a supposed to be in a second grade classroom. Um, So that's been really hard just getting to meet them and then having to leave them very suddenly. That's been hard on me and my cooperating teacher
0: well talk about that for just a second because we all know what's going on nationally as far as online learning is concerned so where are you students teaching at and, and you know there's a challenge of just teaching young people in general but how is it learning how to teach and learning all of these things in these uncertain times all at the exact same moment
1: oh well I'm currently at um Scottwood Elementary which is right down Livingston um off of there and um it was really really fun I've only been there um for a week before this happened because my I have two student teaching experiences so my last one was for two months at Watkins Elementary. Um, But as far as um, at Scottwood, it's really hard because since they're Columbus City School, they don't really have any access to um, any remote learning, like technological ways for the students to get online. Um, So that's been really hard on not only the teachers, but also the students. Um, uh, Just because they are not able to send um, the pads that y- they use for the students to get online. So there's no way for them to access what the stu- what the teachers want them to be able to use. So we've just been sending home packets and um, books just to get them like some sort of normalcy while they're at home so that they can read something that's at their grade level. Um, but as we know, that like, that's not the same as actually being in the classroom, so.
0: No doubt about it. Well, and thank you for doing your part in keeping our youth educated as well because it's people like you and students and your cohorts and whatnot that are helping in uh, this very uncertain time that we're in right now. So thank you and thank you to all of those that you're working with. Oh, thank you very much. Um, Well, you know, take us through, you know, this, this senior year has been incredibly different, especially in this semester. You know, you got to start the season, you took your trip down to Florida, you know, of what time you did get to spend on the Diamond, what were some of the takeaways that you got to experience?
1: Well, I think one of the big things and what me and the two other seniors saw while we were down in Florida was that we just had a really great team. Um, even though, like, we only won two out of... Um, we went two for five, but we were down there. But um, the teams that we played were just high-level teams. Um, and we games by more than like three or four runs so that was one thing that was a big difference from last year where you know we would get seemed like we would get mercy ruled most of the time and be out of there in five innings um when we were in florida um it was nice to see that connection between all of the girls that we were scaring some of those high level teams to where um they were they went from talking a lot to just being super quiet while we were playing add like a fear factor to us which we haven't had the last two years um which was exciting to see in just that first week of playing games together
0: well that's certainly a variable that we hope does continue and and we'll get to your contributions to that in just a moment Uh, but let's go back to the beginning for you you know you're a high school senior uh high school and you know what made you want to come to cap first and foremost
1: oh well Definitely like the atmosphere that Capitol has about it. Like when I first came here on my visit, um, everybody was talking to me and asking me where I was from, like people who weren't even on my tour, um, just people who actually attending the university, um, but asking me, you know, what was my major and what was I thinking about doing and was I sure if I was coming to Capitol because they wanted me to be there, um, even though they didn't even know me. So that was one thing that really led me to coming to Capitol just because of that welcoming atmosphere that it has. And um, the softball team obviously had a big pull on whether or not I was coming because I knew I wanted to play softball in college. Um, and just they also had that same atmosphere that everybody else had here at Capitol, just being nice and wanting you to be there and just keeping that family um, feel that everybody likes to have, you know, where they're living
0: true definition of the cat fam right there so let's go even further back now you know how did you get into softball and and when did you realize it was something that you really wanted to pursue beyond high school uh
1: I got into softball you know when it was still t-ball I played on a co-ed team for like little kids when I was like five um and then it was something you know I was in the outfield you know picking daisies out of the grass (laughs) sitting there um but I really noticed that I wanted to do it you know when travel ball got involved um when you would spend your whole summer playing softball and that was one of the things that just me and my family really enjoyed um being able to go to like come to we went to Burliner here in Columbus you know almost like Every single weekend we were here. And that was one of the reasons, you know, back to Capital, it was close. I had been up here before and it was like a comfortable space for me. So um
0: so what is it about softball that got you, you know, amped up into that as opposed to other sports that you may have played?
1: I just feel like um even though it's like not a contact sport in the sense, it's really like a strategy sport. Like you have to know what the next play is and you have to really think about it. It's not something we're just going to go out and do like you have to think about it. And I really enjoyed that, that it wasn't, um, just something that didn't make any sense. Like it makes a lot of sense when you think about it, all of the, you have to know what certain plays are going on and where you need to hit the ball. And like, what side am I going to be bunting to based on who's playing what position? Like, it's just a lot of strategy that I enjoyed
0: thinking person's game for sure did you play any other sports
1: (laughs) no um I wasn't really good at any other sports um I liked (laughs) volleyball but um they wouldn't let me on the team just because I wasn't very good
0: (laughs) uh well we're glad that you found your home here at Capitol this is Hannah Martin senior softball player at Capitol University out of Massillon Ohio and Hannah you know you came to Capitol and you Became a starter as a junior, but everybody knew who you were well ahead of that because you made a name being incredibly vocal. <laughs> Can you take me through the journey of what it's like to become a starter and how you kept up that enthusiasm all the way through both uh, portions of your career? Well, that
1: was just one way that, like, my parents and like the coaches that I had like raised me how to play softball. It wasn't that if I don't start, I'm going to be upset it was like the people who are starting are the ones that needs to be out there and I'm the one that's going to encourage them um and that was what like my hitting coaches and my travel ball coaches and my high school coaches they just didn't put up with any of that if somebody was complaining that they weren't on the field then they were going to be sent home because obviously they weren't doing what they needed to do to support their team And I just kind of, like you said, I didn't start until I was a junior, but my freshman year and sophomore year, um, I was encouraging my teammates all the way. Like, even though I wanted to be out there, I knew that they were there for a reason. And my reason to be there was to encourage them. Um, Like my uh, roommate, Morgan, she started as a freshman and uh, me and Corey Uh, We're just so happy for her when she got to start because it was awesome. And, uh, you know, we weren't we weren't upset for one second.
0: I think more young players need to hear that across all sports. So if you can put that on the loop and record that as you go, that'd be great. (laughs) Talk about what your favorite memory, whether it be softball-related or just at Capitol in general, what would that memory um,
1: be? I think that would have been last year when we were playing Muskingum, and they were rated number one in the conference. And um, I, I felt like even from, like, our coach's standpoint, they were like, yeah, you know, we're just going to go play the game. Like, we're not expecting to win any of them just because, you know, they were doing so good. They were hitting, like, six home runs a game. Like, it was insane. Um, and so we went in, and we were even there, like, we got there, like, 40 minutes late. <laughs> and um, <laughs> so we had to warm up, hit, and throw, and be ready to go in about 20 minutes, um, which we had never, you know, done before. So we got there, in the first game, in the first inning, we scored six runs and we were like what is going on <laughs> like we haven't scored six runs in a game and like since like two years ago like it was insane and um we just kept like that momentum throughout the whole game we end up, ended up beating Muskingum. I think it was like eight to four or something and uh we ended up beating them and they were so mad they were livid like at us and themselves um it was it just pumped us up for the next game so bad and I will never forget like the amount of excitement we had during like each at bat and each run scoring and being in the field like it was just cat ball all the way that game <laughs>
0: So I, I got to ask. So anybody that comes to a softball game that maybe hasn't been to one before, one of the first things that they notice is that there are chants and tears that come from all places oh, around yeah. the field. Is, is that just like a, a softball culture thing, you know? And, and if so, what's your favorite Oh, shoot.
1: One? <laughs> um... We, we have, it is a softball culture thing on all my travel ball teams and, uh, high school and everything, you know, it's always been, who's the loudest and whatever team is the loudest is the team that you assume is winning no matter what the score is. And, um, I think my favorite one, it's actually, uh, it doesn't involve any words. It just involves, uh, hitting the ball on the side of the bench and everybody clapping and it just gets like this rhythm going that gets everybody hyped up and, um, you know, everybody puts the, their own certain thing into it. It's not something that's completely structured. Like, I put my own little hoops and hollers into it, you know, where I deem necessary. Um, and so does everybody else. And I think that's just one that everybody on the CAP softball team really
0: enjoys. Awesome. Well, I know that people have noticed <laughs> yeah. because I hear oh, it a yeah. lot too. So. Um, All right, so we we talked about how you're going to go into education here, Hannah, and, um, you know, is is there a job waiting for you after you finish your student teaching, or is that when the real hunt begins? So,
1: I'm actually, you know, interviewing with a couple of schools right now. I have an interview on Tuesday, actually, um, with the Graham City School that's about 15 minutes away from Capitol, Um, and then I've applied to Dublin and Groveport and Worthington and you know but with all of this uh, stuff going on right now they're not able to you know have that opportunity to reach out to everybody at this point so I'm still looking you know hoping that something opens up but we'll have to see how it goes
0: well, we're confident that it will this is Hannah Martin senior softball player for Capital University and so we're, we're looking forward now you're going to get that job and you're going to get that first adult paycheck what is the first thing that you're going to splurge on with that first big oh adult i need paycheck? to get a
1: new car <laughs> 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 i have a i have a 2005 ford explorer she's got about 240,000 miles on her and she's old <laughs>
0: She's old. <laughs> what 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 the cars? Are you oh, looking
1: at? I I still want to get an Explorer. I still I like that big car. I have a big Akita German Shepherd puppy, and she needs to have her space. Um, so anything big, anything big.
0: Good stuff. All right, now here's one that is going to go a little off the wall. We are asking some Hannahs that we know around the department. I know that a month those that are named Lindsay, there is a heated debate about the, quote, correct way that you spell the name. And I got to know, is the same true for people named Hannah, especially when it comes to, you know, whether you spell it with or without? A oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so what you is gotta the have correct the A-H way H
1: at the end? We're a palindrome name. If you don't <laughs> have the ah at the end, it's not a palindrome. So uh, the ah is definitely more dominant than just the A at the end.
0: And there's really oh, a debate about absolutely. Whenever this.
1: I meet another person named Hannah, I always ask them how they spell it. You <laughs>
0: and you, at you look a at a them a little differently, differently afterwards. If they don't <laughs> <laughs> Good to know. That way, I know, so you're saying the correct way yes. is with an H, so we'll, we'll have to correct those along the way that uh, <laughs> don't subscribe to that, so... Awesome. Well, Hannah, thank you so much for joining us today on this senior spotlight of Forward Capital Crusaders. It's been a pleasure, and we wish you nothing but the best. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for having me on here. Absolutely. Hannah Martin, senior softballer here at Capital University. And that'll do it for our very first episode of the Forward Capital Crusaders podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it, and we'll come back for more as we support the purple and white and those student-athletes of our 20 teams. Rejoin the CAP fam every Tuesday for a new episode as we get to know our seniors and check in on our programs, alumni, and bring you a feature story pubbing up the best CAP Athletics has to offer. Next week, we'll check in with head men's lacrosse coach Don Marzano and learn more about the rare art of being a two-sport athlete from Perry Furness and John Kirk. We'll also bring you our alumni spotlight and next week's senior spotlight with Bo Otto of Capital Baseball. Until next time, Cap Fam, let's keep moving forward, and thanks for tuning in to Forward Capital Crusaders.